0: That's the title, but what are we going to try to talk about? It's that. How can us Christians get involved in global health? But actually, as I was um, wandering backwards and forwards now, rereading my script, I thought, that is a bit of a lame question. So actually, I'd like to scratch that out. I can't exactly do it now. I could, I suppose. And say, how can us Christians transform global health? That's really well, what I want. I want to talk about. How can us Christians transform global health? Because it seems to me that this I may be wrong. Forgive me if this is offending you or it's wrong. I feel that an awful lot of what is really going on in the world is one, in one big circle here. And uh, what Christians are doing in the world is in another circle there where they're fairly safe, but there's not a huge overlap in terms of Venn diagrams. And it strikes me we need more and more of an overlap so that as Christians we are in Christ, in the world, transforming it. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So what I'm hoping at the end of the session you will go away saying is yes. So I don't just have to be working in my own safe Christian circle. It's not always that safe, of course. Um, but I can actually get involved, engage in some of the really key global health stuff that is going on at the moment, and there is so much going on, and Christians are so needed in it. So how can us Christians transform global health? Is what I would like to say. Is that all right? Okay. And all the way through, I was I was hoping we would be a little cozy group in a circle, and we would have a whiteboard, and somebody could just write up the things that we talk about, but that's obviously not going to happen. Never mind. Um, Okay. I love this verse. Um, The tribe of Issachar. I think I pronounced that right. That's what we say in England. We call it Issachar. I don't know what they say in Israel. Anybody got a view on that? Am I alright right with Issachar? There were 200 leaders of the tribe with their relatives. Okay, quite a lot. Not a huge number, but quite a lot. You can do a lot with 200 leaders of the tribe so, people taking leadership but also their relatives, also all the other people who were not leaders but had specific tasks I like that as well all these people understood the signs of the times, in other words if they were alive now and they were in this room they would, they would have got mobile health they would have got the way the world is going they would have their antennae out and they would be great environmental scanners of how things were going and knew the best course for Israel to take. So they knew about the world that God had put them in, but somehow they got their ears open, so they knew what the Lord was also saying to them, about, okay, that's the way it is, that's what I want you to do, and bring the two together. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. So I love that verse. I only came across that about three years ago, from the counselor I work with. Uh, She's not my counselor, I work with her. I probably need it from her, but... uh, That wasn't the point I was making. So, a a fantastic verse. So, that's what I'd like us to be uh, remembering. If you don't remember anything else, remember that verse. Issachar. The tribe of Issachar. Okay. I'm just going to give you four um, brief scenarios of where we're at in the world and its needs. By the way, things are improving
1: in terms of the Millennium development goals. Hi.
0: You need two weeks. Mm, I forgot to put that one on. There's just stuff in your. (laughs) Oh. Oh, okay. <laughs> it fell off because I wasn't clutching this bit of it, which by the Newtonian law of gravity, I think, meant that this thing fell off. Okay, so right, here we go again. Uh, clutching this, now I'll be safe. Um, the four big needs I just want to put in front of you, but saying first, we've made a lot of progress in terms of Millennium Development Goals. Child health, a lot of improvements... Um, but because the world population is growing so fast because there are so many inequities and so many problems going on it's very, very hard to keep up with the needs so this is where we're at in the needs I'm not going to talk about needs too much, this is just an intro Uh, so we've got about a fifth of the world's population living in absolute poverty Uh, absolute poverty is a very difficult thing to define there are about ten different different definitions and I won't go, go into them We've got this enormous number of women dying in childbirth or shortly afterwards. And we have this stubbornly um, persistent number of people living with HIV AIDS. So we've got this enormous need, pool of need in the world. And guys, as doctors and nurses, we're not really getting through to the neediest. We're getting through very well to the least needy. But we're not getting through to the most needy. Is everybody... Just doctors or medical students, stick up your hands. And nursing or allied professionals, stick up your hands. Great, good, nice mixture, fantastic. Okay, Uh, so we've got those enormous needs. And then we've got this incredible number of people who lack access to basic health care. Uh, there are quite a few people in the UK who lack access to basic healthcare. There are a lot in the United States. But the great majority are scattered around all the different parts of the world, which we'll be hearing about in the next two days. And the fact is that healthcare is not working for those who are most in need. And if you like, the future of global health is going to be how are the neediest people? going to have the health care which they need or how are they going to do it themselves with help from outside Um, and then we've got these enormous inequalities I mean I know you've got huge inequalities in America but you just wait that's Nairobi I guess that's not too surprising have any of you been to Kabira slum or any of the other slums and that's an amazing number I'll put my hand up there as well So Kibera and other slums have got some of the highest, a bit better than it was two years ago. But guess which country in the world, which city in the world has got about the highest inequalities? Okay, yes, possibly, but actually it's near where I come from, it's Glasgow. As you drive from one part of the city to the other, you have a 27-year difference in life expectancy. If you're a banker in the rich suburbs outside and you go into the heart sinker estates in the middle, you have a 27-year difference in life expectancy. And that's a figure from the World Health Report in 2008. So worldwide, we've got growing inequalities. The rich are doing better all the time and the poorest less well and more of them. Okay. And then the last thing, just, just how many health workers do you reckon WHO estimates that we lack in the world? Any of you got any idea? A simple thousand? A hundred thousand? Well, it's 4.3 million. So even though China's opening a new medical school about once a week, and... Uh, we've just been having an inspirational session down down the road there with Bruce Dullman with uh, hundreds of medical schools now in Africa we're not ever going to catch up we are never going to have enough doctors to do healthcare for the people who need it most and the future of global health and how we can engage with it is centred around this point so again um, have we really grasped this I don't want to go on too much because that's not the main purpose of my talk, but I just want to set that agenda so that we've got something to talk about. Is that all right? Anybody want to uh, question that or come back with me or disagree? Okay. That's disappointing. Uh, I always think it's rather fun when people disagree or say, evidence, sir, or something like that. Right. Guys, this is over to you. So because I uh, have been on a plane for an awfully long time coming from London, and we took a long time because of the headwind, I've still got slightly blocked ears. So you're going to have to talk loudly in answer to my questions. How can we as Christians best get involved in global health issues? And how can we help to transform the world? Any, any thoughts about how we can, how we can engage to put right some of those amazing statistics we've just seen. Get involved with education. Say, say that again.
1: Get involved with education.
0: Okay, medical, medical, medical education. Say a little bit more about that, because I know you, you've been doing that all over the world. Just just 30 seconds, Jim, on, on an answer to that. No,
1: my, my bias is that I think medical education is the future of mission, where we can train people and influence a whole generation.
0: Absolutely. It's it's this whole idea that if we we just try to do it all ourselves, it's like emptying the ocean with a teaspoon. But actually, if we turn off the tap of ill health by educating other people, who can educate other people, who can educate other people, then we're starting to prevent illness. Then we're starting to really make an impact. So thank you for that. Any other thoughts? Yes.
1: Uh, Literacy training and combined with teaching good
0: health behaviours. Okay. So... Adult literacy, female literacy, child literacy, all those things. And then teaching people how to be healthier, but also leading to behavioral change. So any clever psychologists or sociologists who know how to change behaviors by saying magic words to people, please stand up, because it's not just health information and education, it's behavioral change. It's, I won't have that cigarette, I'm not going to have my next drink. Uh, I am going to just smile sweetly at my partner, even though I would like to hit him or her. So it's the behavioral change. Okay. Uh, any other thoughts? Thanks. Keep them flowing. Yeah. Absolutely. Thanks. Now, how can we do that? How can, how, how can we mobilize uh, Christians, the church, to go to where the places are that we're most needed? Because actually, even for Christians, most of us land up in the comfortable places or doing research where we might go out and do a project in the field, but we're still basically... Sitting in our research institution. So we got a phenomenal number of experts here. We got a very, very thin tube going down to an enormous number of field needs there. So we've somehow got to break open this tube and have much more flow. So that's a fantastic and helpful thought. Any other thoughts about this? Yeah. Yes, right right at the back. Thank you. And, I, and yell it out. It, it strikes me. Absolutely. So we need to go out where people are, because actually stuff happens where people live, and that's where Jesus went. So we need to do that. Talk to Bruce Dalman, and, and uh, who's uh, uh, hovering around, and just done a session on, on that. So absolutely crucial. Any other quick thoughts before I move on? Yes. Thanks. Yes. Um,
1: as Christians, especially in the United States, we can engage in advocacy to influence the resources and influence of the U.S. government to make positive changes in sustainable improvement in global
0: health. Thank you. That is absolute news to my ear. Can anyone just put up your hand if you just, in, just to really engage with that? That we can actually we can get into the corridors of power and we can make a difference at political and policy level to change things. WHO is now wide open. Well, it says it is, it's wide open to new ideas for the future. They have to be in by the end of February. So there's a big discussion beyond the Millennium Development Goals. What are we actually going to be doing to make the world a better place? So this is a time to get involved in the advocacy and in walking the corridors of power and, and, uh, and sending in our suggestions and engaging with people. Somebody has put their hand up. Yeah?
1: Training
0: community health workers. Oh, that is news to my... News to my... Uh, Glad news to my ears. Thank you for that. I, I would love to be talking about that, but I'm not, I'm not, that's not my topic. Yes, I am going to talk about that a bit in a moment because that's absolutely right. Let's move on. Um, now, this is interesting. Uh, I don't know how many of you read The Lancet, but in 2009, there was an article by uh, somebody who, who obviously is a non-Christian commentator whose name is Sam Lorenberg, and, uh, and he made this very interesting. He a whole-page article about... Uh, medical missionaries deliver faith and health in Africa. Because a lot of us have been thinking, well, perhaps the day of the medical missionary, you know, that that all happened. And here he's saying, guys, this is happening more than ever before. This is a secular commentator in the Lancet three years ago. Um, And they're joined by Islamic groups playing catch-up. So it is known by all the UN agencies by the World Bank and so forth and so on, that actually Christians and people of faith are very involved in the world. And there was a conference last night, which I couldn't get to because I was on a plane, but I've had a report back uh, in London, the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine with some, some top people. And I was reading the report. It was very interesting. It would say, you people of faith, stand up and be counted. Get involved. Take part in the debates. We value your insights. We don't necessarily want you to go around converting people, but we value your insights. And I'll tell you the most exciting thing that came out of that that conference last night was that all the people agreeing that people of faith did a better job in looking after patients than anybody else, better than the governments, uh, better than all the other people. Uh, It was the Christians and the people of faith who did a better job. And that was from three non-Christian leaders of this discussion group. So that, I thought, was an encouraging, a very, very encouraging thing. And uh, so Sam Lernberg from The Last City goes on and he he says these wonderful comments. They are aggressively local. As Christians, because of the fact that Jesus was the incarnation, we get alongside people. So that's fantastic. So we have got a bit of a head start. I'm in a job where I'm looking after loads of humanitarian aid workers before they come and go. And they go on three-month missions and six-month missions, and they don't don't learn the language. They do a wonderful job, but they're not incarnational the way we are. They don't get alongside people. Some of them do wonderfully. Uh, Some of them do spectacularly, but on the whole, not so well as the Christians. Okay. Uh, Now, this was a very interesting article from the New England Journal of Medicine, by the way, I meant to put references, you know, that's one of the things us guys are told to do, so excuse me if this is a little academic, but um, I thought this was very interesting. Uh, Here was uh, an article in the the, uh, NEJM which was describing the new generation of medical missionaries in inverted commas, not as missionaries as We understand it, but as people who still want to go and change the world. And then this incredible comment at the bottom in the US, almost one in three medical students spend time studying abroad in international health. So there is a great, how can I put it? Um, There is a positive environment. There is an oxygenated environment for us Christians to get involved in Robust and exciting and innovative ways with the way the world is and the way global health is going. And we do not have to stay in our Christian ghettos to do it. We can, and that's fine, but we don't have to. We can get engaged in a much more dynamic way with global health issues uh, through our missions, but through many other ways. Okay, can I go on? Anybody want to criticize what I've said or agree? Does anybody strongly disagree? Which case, they can put their hand up. No. But you wanted to say something. Yes. I was just curious. Do you see this as an area for
1: um, Christians to get involved in medical students um, spending time in international health? Because as a medical student, how has done secular missions abroad? I'm wondering how can Christians get involved
0: in that? Well, it's very interesting. um, I'm finding in, in the UK there are just an incredible number of people in that last category, and an incredible number of Christian medical students and nursing students who want to go abroad and change the way global health is. But, you know, ten years ago, there was a survey, and and, and there were a hundred people who at a Christian Medical Fellowship Conference wanted to do it, and ten years later, only one had done it. So, guys, if you feel God's calling you during this conference go home and light a candle and don't let it go out to remind you that if you made that pledge to God, don't let something else blow it away like boyfriends, girlfriends, posh cars, mortgages, uh, wonderfully high, highly paid rates of neurosurgeons or whatever. Or just being worried about the world, way the world is and our relatives are. We need to stick onto that call. So that's, not, that's gone beyond your question, excuse me, but thank you. Okay, now this was an interesting article that's just come out. This is another way in which we're being said, guys, come and do it with us. There we go. Quality of care and satisfaction were greater. The role of faith-based organizations needs stronger recognition. And that was written jointly by UNDP, UNFPA, WHO and the World Bank. Uh, and published just last year in the uh, International Journal of Gynecology and Obstetrics. So again, it's, it's the world out there knocking on the Christian door and saying, we, in the past, we have suspected you guys, and we think you've been off in a little balloon in the stratosphere, doing your preaching and so forth, but we now realize what you've been doing for 100 years has been making a difference. What you're doing is demonstrating the way we can give compassionate care to people who need it the most. Come and do it with us. Come alongside us. We'll sometimes still get a bloody nose, because not everybody will like everything we do. That's part of the deal. But all the same, it's an amazing invitation. And we haven't always had those invitations. And in many countries, we still don't. But in terms of the global uh, picture here from the UN agencies, that's what they're saying. I think that's fantastic. Uh, Have any of you been reading the PRISMS survey that... Mark Strand's been doing. I think there's going to be a session on this, On this, I, I noticed. So I'll, I'm just going to whip through it extremely quickly uh, that currently uh, largely American medical missionaries um, are... Uh, that, that's the sort of breakdown of what... Sorry, breakdown isn't a very good word, is it? That's the sort of description of what they're all doing. But there's a marvellous last... Hi, guys. Thank you. We... How much have you missed? Well, don't worry, I saw that the registration lines were very long downstairs and I thought, my goodness, that's a shame. Uh, this is the uh, conclusion of a survey This has been done on missionaries. I love this, love this sentence here. Um, Increasingly called on to add unique value, engage in more training of national co-workers and model ingenious and evidence-based strategies... So we've got to be ingenious. We've got to be evidence-based. We've got to do stuff which is known to work. Not just for individuals, but for whole populations and healthcare delivery systems. That is a real call, isn't it? That we're meant to get involved like that. So that comes out of the Christian Medical and Dental Association. Fantastic. So that's... I, I love reading it. I only read that yesterday. I thought that's tremendous. Right. So we look to start with at all those needs we had in the world... Uh, and you gave all those answers. And now we've been looking at some of the invitations to get involved with those needs. So any other thoughts that now come to you about how we can engage in, in, uh, in global health? Any other thoughts been coming to you? I won't pick on you at the back because that would be very unfair, though I'd love your comments. Yes, thank you. Would you consider uh, involved
1: City healthcare uh, programs where they can, people can have a cross cultural experience and understand uh, health related issues that are, frequently are similar to third world, two thirds world
0: statistics. Absolutely. Have any of you had experience of working in a, in a seriously cross cultural situation within your own country, within the United States? Yeah, you have at the back. Yeah, thank you. I think it's a a fantastic fantastic idea and a a great thing to do. Interestingly, a a lot of my uh, friends in London will say it's much more difficult to work in some of the really difficult parts of London, uh, especially in South East London, where we've got a lot of gang warfare going on at the moment. It's much more difficult and more dangerous uh, to, to to work at street level there, even in simple healthcare and soup kitchens, than it is in many parts of the world. So I think, yes, it's a very good way indeed. And actually, perhaps we're meant to be doing more of that. We're meant to be doing more of the percolation of our own inner city areas. And I say that as uh, coming from a country where, you know, we have a national health service system, which 90% of the people think is great, but we still have great areas of deprivation. So, yes, I do indeed think that's a great idea. Any other thoughts from the invitations that are coming? Yes.
1: Well, perhaps
0: I think it's a very tricky one, and I think it's quite interesting. We had a, we had a fascinating discussion in uh, at the Salvation Army headquarters in London after a, a big family planning conference in London about uh, three months ago. Um, and there were about 70 or 80 different uh, Christians from all over the world coming together to discuss how can we actually get involved in reproductive health issues and family planning issues when we, don't necessi- when we have, have very often Not always, but we've often got a different viewpoint from others. And as you can imagine, this conversation went on all afternoon, and I don't think there were any real conclusions. I believe that as Christians, we've all got a different viewpoint on this. I think we've got very different viewpoints on abortion amongst ourselves. I think we've got very different viewpoints on the whole area of how much we're meant to get into reproductive health. And I think we've got a big difference in some of the ethical concerns Um, and certainly within the evangelical church within Europe and and the UK, there is a big difference here, and some people are very happy to get involved in these issues, and some people say, well, look, from my own viewpoint, I'm so out of sync that I think I'll leave this to somebody else. I I would just say to anybody here who is interested in the family planning, the reproductive health, and so forth and so on, and all those debates, that if you feel that God is calling you into that. Decide what you really can't go along with. Decide what you can go along with and then go along with as much as you can and build those friendships and relationships because that area of medicine has been left bereft of Christians because so many people have felt unable to get into it and I think it's a really crucial one. Uh, For those of you who've been to these wonderful CMDA conferences in in Thailand and and, um, and Kenya, we always have a, a very inspirational American talking on those issues. Um, I think we need to get involved in those. Now, interestingly, I told you about this conference in London last night, which was, had three people leading it on faith-based organizations. One of those people was from Mary Stopes International, that you will probably recognize the name of, of being the prime providers of abortion services worldwide. Well, I thought she was going to be there as somebody who was going to be knocking the Christians and knocking the faith-based groups. And actually, she was saying, we may not agree on these things, but we still want to work together on the things we can agree with. And if you think of all the things that Jesus must have disagreed with on earth, where would he have started? So all the time he was searching for common ground and then building on that and then people started to change on the basis of friendships he, he built. So I think that is our way into some of these difficult ethical areas. That's a very simple, uh, simplistic question, but I don't think we're meant to ignore them. But equally, I know we will sometimes be, it'll be very difficult for us, and I, I don't underestimate that at all. Uh, I'm going to move on. We've got another 20 minutes. Does anybody badly want to say anything? You're very welcome to. That's still meant to be an invitation. I didn't put it very nicely. Yeah, Okay. Well, this was another interesting uh, discovery. In 2007, uh, in 2006, the World Health Organization thought Christian groups are faith-based groups. Who are they? I mean, they're peripheral and so forth. And so they decided, because so many people were talking about them, they would do a survey. Uh, this sounds as like I'm in an aeroplane. Is it all right? Bump, bump. Can you still hear me? All right. So they did the survey, and uh, this was the amazing discovery. And uh, this has been requoted many times, um, that uh, by the grace of God, we've been serving the world quite well with the Lord's blessing and power and compassion for the last 200 years. So there's more of an opportunity to do it now. Uh, and there was a, an amazing consultation that I was privileged to be at. On that very topic, this was back in 2007, and all the things that came out then are being said again by people to us now. This is what, as Christians, as mission agencies, as people of faith, uh, we're meant to be doing. And interestingly, your, your comment about how easy, it, how difficult it is to get into the reproductive health, they should not be intimidated uh, we, we will be sometimes, but actually the danger of, of so often for us is we, we do feel a bit intimidated as Christians and therefore we prefer to withdraw rather than to go forwards. That's a very, very general statement. Um, so let's, let's dare to go in and actually be a bit intimidated sometimes. Now this is another uh, another one I just wanting to put in, in front of you here. A whole bunch of... Uh, um, uh, African citizens were asked uh, thousands uh, were asked what sort of group they would like to come to their country to work alongside and this this was just done a few years ago in the context of MSF and lots of secular groups and a few Christian groups there and and, 82% said they wanted religious groups because For Africans and Asians and Latin Americans and nearly everybody apart from those in the sophisticated North and West, for nearly everybody else, faith is such an integral part of their health and well-being that if you separate it, it doesn't make sense to them. So here we've got an invitation from the people themselves saying, You love God. Fantastic. That gives you a head start to come out and work with us and alongside us that 's fantastic, but the secular humanity the, the, the secular liberalism of our day and age says faith you 've got to leave that at the door if you 're going to go abroad and do mission work and or if you are going to be a humanitarian aid work, uh, aid worker leave that at the door, but the people themselves are saying we have to have that as well, so that 's fantastic for us right um, now I just wanted to uh, At this stage, say, we've been talking a lot about how we can engage with global health needs. Guys, have you thought about the role of the church in this? Not of the mission, not of the paramission group, not of the faith-based organization, not of SIM and AIM and all these other wonderful organizations that I've been involved with over the years, but the church, the church congregation, Uh, Down the corridor, Terry Dalrymple is giving a talk I would love to be at, all about CHE, Community Health Evangelism. A vision to work alongside 100,000 churches. Tearfund UK has got the same vision, to work alongside 100,000 churches. Because nearly every community in the poorest parts of the world has got a church, or in an Islamic country, a mosque. And they are the main community people. So work alongside your church leaders, your pastors, your bishops, um, and that will really transform the health of the world. That will really make a fantastic difference to global health. It may not be terribly exciting in terms of the research papers you can write about it, but it will be very exciting in terms of the number of people's lives who are saved and transformed at the grassroots level. So, um, uh, our friend, I'm sorry, I don't know what his name's here, but you were saying over here on the left. She's busy writing, she's not looking at me. Yeah. Uh, you were saying the thing about community health workers, yes, and, and members of churches and congregations as well. And sometimes, of course, they will be the community health workers. Anyway, uh, so often uh, we, we forget that the church is the community organization that's nearly always there. But it's not doesn't always do health very well. So Che and Tear Fund are doing a tremendous amount to um, to change that. Okay, so a little bit more information here now. We got another we got just ooh, horribly little time left. Ten minutes. Any further thoughts before we just wrap up? Yes. Absolutely. Thank you for that. Yes, I I, I remember reading that, and that's fantastic. Now, have any of you been involved overseas working through local churches? Yeah. Can you just just say just a a minute on that? We
1: work in Kenya, and we sponsor pastors' leadership conferences, and through that process, we get contact information with pastors from, like, thousands of pastors, and we're creating a network where we can disseminate, you know, what kind of medical... Care we have coming on a team. So we've got the churches as the first line of of getting that information out into communities.
0: That's fantastic. Can you tell us what that organization is called? KenyaRelief.org. Okay, KenyaRelief.org. Did you all hear that? So that was a way of mobilizing pastors in Kenya. That's fantastic. Thank you for that. Has anybody else had any experience of uh, working with churches themselves, church congregations? Yeah.
1: Communities with churches from established communities, and later on, the people
0: that have gone with us actually go back into those communities and plant churches in the north. Okay, fantastic. Okay, so that's a that's a wonderful model. Yeah, I like that. Thank you. Um, uh, Any other thoughts before we just uh, move on to the next uh, next final lap? Gosh, it's gone fast. I haven't needed my gin yet. Uh, Any other any other thoughts? Well. I'm just going to stick this slide up to stimulate some thinking and we've got a few minutes just to think about this. This slide is meant to be very busy and very confusing and you're meant to sort of screw up your eyes saying, what's all those words? But I want you to just spend a minute or two or three slowly reading this through in case it inspires new ideas. They may not be the ideas that are in your head, but they may inspire some. So, these are some of the different things we could get involved with now in, 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 uh, in global health. Right, so while you are thinking, oh my goodness... Let's just look at one or two of those. Mental health, okay? So something like 30% of the world at any one time suffers from a mental health issue. And what are Christians doing to meet the mental health issues in the developing world, in our own country? Is anybody here interested in community mental health from a Christian perspective? In the middle of Mauritania, Central African Republic, China, India... Because that, guys, is an open field. In the UK, psychiatry is the least popular medical discipline. But we as Christians are completely, I think, failing in this area. So if there's a little glimmer of interest in mental health inside you, just cultivate that. Okay, which one should we look at next? Pioneering Community Surgery. Are there any surgeons in the room? No, you are. Jim. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've, uh, I've met some surgeons recently who've been telling me that, well, it, it's fine to do. You, you, community health workers are fine, but actually, why don't we do more community-based surgery? Uh, I talked to somebody the other day who said, um, well, were, we were working in this poor rural community and people didn't like coming to the hospital. Uh, they were frightened and also they went out with wound infections. But there were an awful lot of people needing surgery, so we took over a, a village hall. We made it as clean as possible. We had a well-trained team. We had good protocols, and we got lots of people coming for all sorts of non-urgent surgery, uh, gall downwards and upwards. And there were no wound infections, and it was hugely popular. So community surgeries waiting to happen uh, We've got, I put down here com, programs for commercial sex workers family planning and reproductive health I just want to say again let's not ignore that um, I, we've recently had at my organization in England somebody joining us uh, very remarkable guy he's just working as, a, as an assistant and I said so, what you, so, what, so, so why are you working here because you, you, surely you know you must be doing something else he said yes God has put on my heart to set up programs to help people who who are being trafficked. We've got vast numbers of people who are being trafficked from Europe into England to work as slaves, domestic slaves, sex slaves and so forth and so on and they're completely ignored and the health programs do not look after them or want to. So that is an area. we We need to get into that. Um... Who, is, who enjoys research here? <laughs> That's really interesting. When I, okay, last time, I, last time I spoke to a group of people in London, actually a group of nurses, everybody put up their hand, them, and then I was going to say, well, make sure your research is really going to make a difference to the people, and you're not doing some wonderful little thing up in the sky, which makes no difference. But actually, we do need more people who are doing operational research, we just, one of the things I'm involved with at the moment is a very exciting project in Uganda. We're trying to do what we're calling a proof of concept study amongst slum communities in Kampala to try to demonstrate that when churches work together, they can, have an, they can improve Millennium Development Goals 4 and 5 in slum communities. So it's faith based groups working in slum communities on child maternal health demonstrating that that makes an impact has never been done nobody has ever done any research to prove that that can be done Uh, I don't know if this research will work but there's a program which we're involved with and I'm really, really excited about that if we can just demonstrate that churches working together can improve improve urban health that's incredible Um, five minutes to go urban health We're talking more about this on Saturday, if anybody can dare to listen to me again. But urban health, half of the world lives in cities. And in developing countries, one-third of all those who live in cities are living in slum communities. And Kabira slum, the world knows about. But there are tens of thousands of smaller, less well-known slums that don't have all the health programs that Kabira has. Who's interested in urban health? Great. I would say again, you know, as in mental health, urban health is so, so crucial. There is a wonderful program in Delhi run by Dr. Kiran Martin. Some of you may know of her. And she wrote this book, which is going to be, I hope, rewritten in two years' time. It's called Urban Health and Development, a practical manual for use in developing countries. You can get it by emailing me. I've still got a few copies of it left. But urban health is being flagged up by WHO and all sorts of international agencies. At last it's being flagged up. We've got to do something about this. Some people are writing about it. It's very difficult and it's not as romantic as working in that, those beautiful mountain areas that I worked in in the Himalayas. Uh, but it's so needed. Just uh, any of you here, shout out one of those things that just grabs you or something else that God's put on your mind. Yes.
1: Something that we've been involved with in NEI the last three years that is a huge group are children with pediatric neurodisabilities, and particularly in developing countries. They're hidden at home. There is nobody who wants to take care of them, and we, we've we done a course now in Kenya for two years. Uh, we did one in Ukraine and Kazakhstan. We've had four more uh, invitations to do that type of thing.
0: Fantastic. Thank you very much for that. That's, that's wonderful. Has anybody been involved, or is anybody involved at the moment in, in any disability related ministry? People with physical, thank you. Great. Just, just tell us briefly what you're doing. Oh, me? Hey? Yeah. Oh, um, I've, I've been, uh, I, I, I used to live in China, and so I was working
1: with uh, children with disabilities,
0: and children. Oh, fantastic. Okay. Great. thank you. Sorry to pick on you back there. It was really unkind of me. Um, anybody else been involved in disability-related programs? I won't necessarily ask you to say what they were, but you have been. Okay. Um, I used to work, as I say, in the Himalayas, and we've got a, a, a group of programs that are all coming together. And they've been asked by the Government of India to actually survey to find out how much disability there is in the villages. Disability, physical disability, mental disability, blindness, hearing impairment. of the population in those Himalayan villages have got a defined disability. And the government is doing nothing for them. And the communities are not doing much. But the Christian health program is coming together and being supported by the government and being funded by the government are starting to meet those needs and doing the education. So disability is a huge new area of global health. And it's just the thing as Christians we should be involved with. But we need to think creatively how to do it. Does anything else spring out from that list for any of you? Hospice should be on there. It should, indeed. And, uh, and, and, and the, the, the new one that I wrote and forgot to put here had hospice and, uh, and, uh, and palliative care and, and so forth on here. We are finding increasingly that populations are going to be getting ancient throughout the world. But where is the palliative care? Where is the home-based care? Where is is the skill in communities to know how to best look after the elderly who will be eventually dying from non-communicable diseases? How are we going to be looking after the people with the hypertension and the diabetes, which will soon be 8% of the world? Um, so we've got a huge area there that we can ing- get involved with, and the future of global health is going to be in large part non-communicable diseases and how we handle that, and how, um, uh, and, or how we don't handle it. And it's being, it's, it's at the moment, it's a disaster. Right. I think it's just about time to go. We have got two minutes. But did anybody want to say anything further about that, or ask a question, or say, hey, you haven't even mentioned dot dot dot. Anything on your heart? That you think that guy never mentioned such and such, and I'm going to put it, scoring badly for it. This is your chance to say, thank you. How about mobile health and social marketing? Tell me, tell me uh, you, you say the mobile health and social marketing. Great, go for it. Thank you. 80% of the world has got access to mobile phone technology. Uh, we're just doing some programs in London at the moment with, uh, connected with aid workers and, and, and communities about using SMS technology to get text messages across to people. This Part of this program in Uganda is going to be the whole use of mobile technology. The whole use of information technology, Facebook, Twitter and so forth to get health messages out to people is enormous and hugely exciting. Uh, I could happily have talked a whole session on that but I have hardly mentioned it so yes, absolutely the, the whole use of mobile technology the internet um, social marketing and so forth and so on is going to be an amazing way of getting messages out and radio, radio, soap operas do you know, in Rwanda has anybody worked and lived in Rwanda Rwanda had a program and still does because I went into it when I was preparing this up to 50% of the population in Rwanda listens to a radio soap opera, and it's got loads of health messages interspersed in it. It's actually help. It's really about how you become a better citizen, but it's done as entertainment. So script writers and producers—that's another amazing way of getting through to some of the real health issues. Guys, it's time to go and do whatever you're doing next. What is comes next? I'm not sure. But um, sorry, what is it? Ah, good. It's dinner time. Thank you for being a great audience. Appreciate you. Oh, just before you go out, if anybody is interested in community-based health care, please take one of these. If you're not, you can take a card. And then there are some books here, and there's a book signing tomorrow for a book called Setting Up Community Health Programs, just in case you're interested. And I wanted to flag up as you go out... Um, Greg Seeger, who's, uh, who's on the second floor, far over on the left side, sending a book called When Healthcare Hurts, all about best practice in missions. Fantastically good book. So do have a look at those. Thank you.